Welcome to Your Future in Finance, a podcast by AXR. We set up this podcast for young, up-and-coming professionals in the market to give them some insights into the thoughts and progression of executive finance leaders across the Australian market. Hi, welcome back to Your Future in Finance, a podcast from AXR. Happy New Year. Uh, good to have you all back. Um, prior to Christmas, I was lucky enough to be joined by Adeline Fernandez. Adeline is currently the VP of Finance for a company called Fluence Commerce. Uh, for those who don't know Fluence, um, they're a venture capital-backed um, retail software that's gone through a lot of growth over the last 10 years. Um, and often we do speak to candidates who are very keen to look at the high growth technology space, what's it like to be in a VC-backed entity and, and what that journey looks like. Uh, Adeline was really forthcoming and give us a real human insight into some of the great stuff that that you do get exposure to, um, some of the challenges that you you will come up against, which are, is often inevitable in that space, given um, you know systems, processes, and, and other things such as that, um, and also some of her uh, learnings and advice that she's took from the journey that may be valuable for someone who is either about to go on that journey or is is considering what that space would look like. Uh, I thought it was a really good conversation with Adeline. She brought a, a great human touch to to her career story as well, um, which is which is really important because obviously there is that element of if you're going to take a role that's so fast paced, so so much going on, um, you know, how does that affect uh, the, the the personal side of things as well? So it was a really good listen, and uh, so yeah, really enjoyed chatting to her. Um, so I will, uh, without further ado, pass you on to to the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. Cheers. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am joined by Adeline Fernandez, who is the Vice President of Finance for Fluent Commerce. That's a very Americanized job title. Isn't it? It is, <laughs> really? it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But, uh, but thanks for joining me, Adeline. Anyway, how are you? Yeah, thank you for having me, Callum. Um, I'm very well, yes. Thank you. Oh, good to hear, good to hear. So as always, guys, we have a bit of a run through of uh, Adeline's career, um, some of the steps that she's taken and, and some of the tips around building a good career within within the finance space. Um, particularly focused around the um, venture capital-backed um, high-growth business and what that looks like for people, because I know it's a, a hot topic for a lot of people who are keen to look at moving into that space. So um, I guess to kick us off, Adeline, um, give us an overview of who, who are you and what's your, what, yep. what's your story so far? Okay. Um, well, as you said, I'm the uh, VP of Finance at Thought and Commerce, and I've been there for um, over six years now, which is kind of almost like a lifetime in a startup, really. Um, so you see a lot of highs and lows okay. in that period of time. Um, yeah, and, you know, I, I guess the other part of me, which is really important that plays into my role um, and in my career is I'm a mum of two boys, um, eight and ten, and, um, you know, they're big motivators for me in, in my life. So, um, yes, so uh, I think we'll talk a little bit more about yeah. my career a little bit more, but that's me in a nutshell. That's where you are now. Mother of two and VP of finance, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. And we always like to kick off with a few icebreaker questions. Um, so some of the ones you've selected, uh, fict- fiction or fact, what, what, when you pick up a book, what, what, what do you go for? I, I do lean towards fact. I, I read both mm-hmm. categories, but I do like things to have, I guess, a purpose. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, so I guess more towards real than not real. Yeah, yeah. And anything you're reading now at the moment? Any hot topics? Um, so I just finished a book called The Outliers. Mm. Um, it's a book about uh, sort of talking about people who have been very successful in their lives and talking about success and, um, you know, uh, 
uh, what are the drivers of success other than, I guess, personality yeah. traits? Because I think it starts by saying, you know, you've got to be talented, mm. you've got to be hardworking. That's the baseline. Mm. But what are the other factors that sort of um, uh, that drive that um, success? Yeah. You know, so it'll be things like opportunity and the environment that you're in and also a little bit of luck, yeah. right? Um, so, yes, yeah, so it's a really interesting read. Um, you may not agree with everything that's in it, but, you know, Get it's you a point of view. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it ties well, nicely, nicely with the career as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Right place, right time. <laughs> Hard work and talent get you there in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if you were to change one thing about society today, what would you change? That's a huge question. <laughs> it's like a Miss Universe. Yeah. Um, um, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for diversity, equity and inclusion. Mm. And I'm very active in that space. Um, so for me, it would be if we could all wake up tomorrow and um, we didn't see any of our differences yeah. and any of our biases and we didn't judge, you know. Um, I guess at the end of the day, uh, I noticed it was up on your wall just there, is, you know, to quote John Lennon, I'm a dreamer, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and wouldn't it be great if there was no wars and we had nothing to fight? Absolutely. Well, I actually named my dog after John Lennon as well. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm not disappointed. I've figured out kids over the next few years and I would have liked the name Lennon for a, for a boy, but now yeah. it's a dog. Yeah. Can't really rename yeah. the dog after no, this. No, it's not great. It's, it's not great. It's no. not going well. And uh, we might have touched on it, I think, with with your uh, first question, but what would you rather be, an Olympian, a Booker Prize winner or a Hollywood star? Um, So, you know, for me it was between the Olympian or the Booker Prize winner, but, um, yeah, definitely the Booker Prize winner. Mm. I mean, imagine being such a great storyteller that you can put yourself on a page and it resonates with people and it endures, you know. Mm. So you leave a part of yourself, I think, um, you know, uh, a lot of people would like to think that, you know, after they're gone that there's, you know, something left in this world about them. But, yeah, imagine being, you know, such a great storyteller. Yeah. If, if you were an Olympian, what would you suppose a choice be? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a difficult one. Um uh, I'll say hockey. Yeah. Just that's really random. I've never played hockey, but I love watching it. It's a good game. Yeah, it's a very entertaining game. It's a big fun. Yeah. It's a, I, I used to. I used to have, it's play in school back in the day, and it was. Uh, yeah, it's got a few bruised ankles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just a very hard ball. You don't want to be on the wrong end of. The <laughs> Absolutely not. And um, if we look more obviously into the the career side of things, I mean, big picture, run me, run me through your journey so far. Yeah. So. Um, I guess uh, I had a very, what you would call a typical start to my career. Um, I started um, as an auditor in a big four accounting firm um, and then went on to work in uh, quite a few big sort of enterprises, um, both locally and overseas. Um, And uh, through that experience, one of the experiences that I had overseas was, in fact, working with a big media company um, that had a technology yeah. part to it, um, which I really enjoyed. Mm. You know, so the, the part that I really enjoyed was that um, there were no answers. You know, these yeah. guys had to go out and um, try new things and see how it worked and, um, you know, if it didn't work, they'd try something else. Yeah. Right? And they were so keen on on knowing what the results were that every morning, you know, um, you know, we always had data the next morning and I was responsible for giving them that data and pulling it together. Yeah. And, um, 
every morning they were all over me just yeah. going, what were the numbers from yesterday? What what did they look like? And then they would adjust what they did. Quickly, wow, what yeah. day today? Yeah. That's right, to, um, you know, to either capitalise mm. or, you know, adjust. Um, so, so that really, I guess, had a big impact on um, my decision to move into sort of a more innovative yeah. um, environment um, as opposed to um, being in sort of big corporate mm. environments. So uh, when I came back to uh, from overseas, I, I pursued that and um, oh, it, it sounds, it makes me sound really old, but I've been <laughs> in that space for close to 20 years now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Uh, and what, what was it about that then? Was it the going somewhere where maybe a path wasn't blazed, so to speak, so you had to find a way to do things and it was a bit more not, you know, here's how we want you to do it, this is how we've always done it. Was it that innovative angle? Yeah, and it really pushes you to, um, you know, uh, to find an answer. Mm. There are no answers. So it's that problem-solving piece, right, Um, which is, I think, really enjoyable instead of effectively, you know, sort of a piece of paper and stamping it and moving on, right, Um, which in those days a lot of finance roles could be. Um, So I I really enjoyed uh, the fact that you had to build something Mm. from from the bottom up. Um, So, yeah, so so that's what drew me in Um, and even till today, right, it's... uh, uh, it's. Uh, I'm very motivated to stay within that sort of environment yeah. because, uh, you know, if, if you like things to be certain mm-hmm. that there's certain environments for you, yeah. and I think if you like things to be, you know, a little bit sort of different, yeah. then you know, operating the grey a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right, and, and, and it means it. You know, um, it gives you the opportunity to um, try things that perhaps. You know, you, you never did before. Yeah, right? awesome. Yeah, awesome. And if you look back then at the the because uh, you know a lot of the listeners we do have will be in that sort of early middle stage of their career. I mean, what what would you say the best role you had early on was in your career then? Um, so I, I don't think you can I, I can go past my PwC role mm. um, to start my career off. Um, it gave me a really good opportunity to um, learn in a very supported environment Um, and also to, you know, like, you know, um, be exposed to some really amazing clients and really they were top-shelf clients Mm -hmm. Um, and to be able to see what good is Mm -hmm. and you carry that with you for the rest of your career. Um, So that's definitely one. But as I said, the real turning point for me was actually um, working in this big media organisation and having a taste of actually there's some, you know, you can bring all of that experience and that foundation from a big environment and you know what good looks like and bring it into a smaller environment and actually implement it. Mm -hmm. So, um, So I guess that's going from, you know, being a student to being a a master of what you do. Mm, Yeah, awesome, awesome. And um, if if you look, obviously, careers, not to say they're defined by decisions, but I suppose they kind of are, but, you know, there's there's tough ones and there's easier ones. I mean, what would you say some of the tougher decisions you've made have been and and some of the the more easier, softer ones along the way? Yeah, um, I'd say the easier ones are definitely earlier in mm. my career you know I was very fortunate to have started in a big four accounting firm um and so that opened up a lot of opportunities there's other law recruiters calling yeah. I'm ready to make the move yeah so you're ready to make the move <laughs> and uh 
and you know, um, yeah, you feel a bit like a rock star. Right? <laughs> um, I, I even had an opportunity when I was overseas where um, they didn't even interview me. They just went, "Oh, yep, you'll do." <laughs> the tech boom. They were so desperate for people. Yeah. It's like, okay, you'll do, and off you go. You're PwC. That's what we needed. <laughs> so yeah, so those were really easy decisions, um, and uh, it was a time in my career where. I was really exploring what it is that I really wanted to do and what was right for me. I think it gets more difficult as you um, as your career matures. You know, um, there is there is a pyramid, mm-hmm. and there are fewer opportunities as yeah. you move um, up. You know, up that pyramid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I spent a really long time in uh, one of my roles. Um, I was there for 11 years and during that time, you know, I was having my family and so then sort of career opportunities then sort of, you know, became a bit tighter yeah. because you're sort of prioritising your um, family. There's times of different sections of your, of your life, isn't there? That's right. And, and again, you know, times have changed mm. significantly now from when, you know, when I did all of this. But um, so then leaving that job after 11 years is a really difficult decision mm. and how do you position yourself to look, you know, um, for your next role and, and what is it that, you know, you know, I really had to have a really good look at what it was that um, I really wanted to do and, in fact, it was at that time that I came to the AXR, you know, CFO yeah. um, incubator mm-hmm. um, series, which I guess really helped me, um, like I said, just... Uh, have a look at myself and what it was that I wanted to do and how it was that I needed to position myself to move on from that role. But it's it's not an easy decision, mm. you know, um, it, it, particularly when uh, you're trying to balance, you know, having a young family and trying to progress, you know, yourself yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah. And as you said, thankfully that, that has changed a lot now, I think, yes. as well. We're, a lot more employers are much more flexible around that sort of thing. Yeah. That's right. It's not like oh, you have kids and that's it. Now you that's as far as you're going to go. And it's like, yeah. no, you can actually do both, which is fantastic, right? Yeah, which yeah. Is, which is really good. And yeah, and knowing you, you're a massive people person. I mean, what's been sort of what's sort of one of the best teams that you've worked in? Where did you feel most at home with the team? I guess. Yeah. Um, look, the teams that I've um, really enjoyed working with. Um, uh, you know, the very inclusive teams, mm-hmm. right? And you help each other out when, you know, um, when the chips are down. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have you build those good relationships where you can trust and rely on them. Um, and particularly, I guess, um, just the, uh, when I say smaller teams, I guess smaller groups within yeah. a, a larger team um, because you get to have that sort of close interaction mm. and whether that be people from outside of finance or within finance, you get that close interaction with them to build those relationships yeah. and you hold each other up mm. because, you know, regardless of where you are, you're always going to have the tough days and the not-so-tough days, yeah. right, and um, you need the relationships to get you through the tough yeah. days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. one of my previous guests, he, he used the analogy, I'd rather do bad work with good people than mm-hmm. good work with bad people because it's it's the people that get you through the journey, right? You know, if it yeah. is tough to work, but at least we're all here together, we're all helping each other and, yeah. and sort of driving around from there, which is which is good. And yeah. you touched on on that as well, which I think was really interesting. You mentioned obviously 11 years in a row, taking the decision to move. How yeah. do you know when you're ready? Because that's, yeah. a lot of people go, oh, that's the point where I'm, I might just stick it out for yes. forever. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a um, long time. It's really hard. And I think um, 
uh, it's a very personal decision. Um, but, you know, a decision to leave has, um, you know, for me it's got to be around the learning, right? If you're no longer sort of learning and there are no opportunities for it because of perhaps, you know, um, where the business is at mm. or, again, the people around you or whatever it is, it's very, um, I think once those opportunities dry up, it's time to move yeah. on, right? Because if you're not mo- if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards, mm. right? So, um, so you do have to think about yourself. So, mm. like I said, that in that situation where I'd been somewhere for eleven years, it wasn't because I disliked, yeah, you know, Um, it was purely because you know I'd gotten to the stage there, um, where uh, perhaps. It was I was ready um, because my family situation mm. had sort of settled down enough so that I could take the yeah. next step with my career. Mm. Yeah. And did you have a? I think you touched on it then. Obviously, from doing the CFO incubator, it sounds like you had a bit of a reflective phase. Yeah. Did you have a a formal process to that reflection of maybe this is where I'm at, this is what I need to develop my further skill, or, or was it more just a feeling thing? What, what was your process there? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I had all the answers, mm. right? And um, what I, uh, I I knew that uh, there was a lot more a, a lot more opportunities mm. out there for me to be learning and progressing and to be building more of a skill set mm. for myself, right? Um, so for me it was... You know, um, it was how do I fit it all in? Yeah. You know, again, my family is very important. Like I said at the very beginning, um, my kids play a really big part in um, the contentment in my life and the drive in my life. And so um, to give up one for the other wasn't an option for me, right? So it was just thinking about what was important for me and how do I then fit it into a career you know, which is also for me uh, and, you know, for perhaps some of your younger listeners who haven't sort of broached parenthood yet when you have children, and I think a lot of women feel this, is that you, you lose a lot of your identity, you know. So outside of work, I'm, you know, Aaron's mum or Leo's yeah. mum and, I, I, you know, I'm not I'm not VP finance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just chief Uber driver yeah. and social secretary. Right? So so the career part was really important to keep that identity for me. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I'm not sure that I sort of was overly analytical, mm. but what I did do was have a think about what I enjoyed doing, yeah. and you know, coming back to the, I really liked working with innovative people. Mm. I really liked working with um, people who were. Uh, willing to try and find yeah. it, basically, yeah. yeah. And so it's a bit off topic, but how yeah. did you approach that conversation when you're meeting potential employers where you're saying, because obviously you want to get across the point that I want that balance, that that's important to me, and I think that sort of thing scares a lot of candidates when they're going into a process because to them, you know, to you, obviously it brings out to you, your family's super important. Yeah. But how do you get that across in an interview with of the fear of are they going to discount me because I say things like you know the, that mindset thing almost with people? Um, it's it's really scary um, because you know the reality is um, you don't ever get the feedback that oh we don't want you because yeah. you know you've got family commitments yeah. right so it, it comes out I think in other ways mm. right um, and I think. It, you do have to be brave, mm. right? And 
uh, set your boundaries and stick to it and be confident that you have the skill set to do your job yeah. well and to do it well, right? Um, you know, and, it, again, it's about, you know, what are you willing to accept and what are you willing to put mm, in, yeah. you know. Um, I don't think any employer wants anyone who's not dedicated to yeah. them, right, um, <laughs> but the dedication uh, but, you know, for me, my motivation, dedication to my work um, comes from my family. Yeah. So if my family's not there mm. with me, then um, I can't do my job mm. well. So the two are so intrinsically linked to each yeah. other in that respect. That's right. And and I think the people, uh, you know, the other thing that's important about, I think, finding a, a new work environment is having people around you who have the same values yeah. as you or respect your values, yeah. right? Um, and the people who do that, uh, it, you know, for people who, are, you know, have those values, um, they'll respect you for it, right? And for people who, you know, they're not aligned with that, then you're probably better off. It's probably not the place. That's right. It's not the right fit for you, right? So I am a true believer that, um, you know, we're all different. You know, as I said at the start, I'm a dreamer and we are all different mm. and um, we we should accept each other for all those differences. Um, but for me, it's just, uh, well, that's just not the right path yeah. for me, right? Yeah. If if I've, I've brought my authentic self mm. there and it wasn't right for this, you know, situation, then it just wasn't It right. wasn't the right yeah. place anyway. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. again, I do think that's something that the world's got a lot better at over yes. the last maybe five, ten, I've been yes. in recruitment for ten years now, which which shows. But, <laughs> but again, uh, I've seen that adaption massively, particularly yeah. over the last few years for obvious reasons with, yeah. with everything else that's gone on. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And yeah. Did you um, did you ever have a, a mentor throughout your career or is that something you've ever done for other people? Are you that type of person? Um, so I guess the interesting thing about working in smaller environments is, um, you know, and, and maybe it's a bit of a, a downside to it, is then your network sort of, you know, sort of comes in. And, yeah. again, you know, talking about my life at that particular point in time was also I had a young family. So so all of your network just really comes in yeah. a lot, right? Um, and so... Uh, you know, I, I probably didn't and I probably needed mm. one, right? So it, it's something that I look back on and I think I'm, I actually needed to prioritise myself mm. a little bit more and to re- retain some of those relationships yeah. that I had from, you know, bigger environments yeah. um, and, you know, and and to leverage mm. from them. Yeah, for sure. So um, it's... You know, I, I can't say I, I regret anything because everyone has a journey in their lives, and and you know, you you end up at a certain you know um, location yeah. as a result of that journey. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, again for your younger listeners, it it's something that I would highly recommend. You know, so you know, build those relationships yeah. and you know and leverage them mm. for sure. Yeah. And if you could go back now and pick a mentor, who, who would you? <laughs> Anyone in the world? So, um, so strangely enough, um, I would choose if I could have anyone in the world. So, and and don't take this as a political persuasion <laughs> on my part at all. I'm going to remain neutral on that. Um, it's someone like Julia Gillard, right? Sure. I, I just find, um, you know, I find her. You know, she she was someone who was put under a huge amount of pressure 
Um, and she got through it with really a, a lot of sort of grace and poise and, you know, her misogyny, you know, speech yeah. in Parliament. Yeah. Um, you know, imagine imagine losing your father and, and your opponent saying to you that, you know, he died of shame, you know, like these are really um, difficult mm-hmm. times to get through um, and particularly sort of like post um, her political career, she's just gone on and, and done stuff, right? So it takes a lot of um, will um, and it takes a lot of, you know, sort of um, self-awareness and, and self, you know, sort of control to do that with such yeah. grace, right? So um, and that's definitely where uh, I, I could definitely, you know, learn <laughs> a lot from that. Yeah. Thank God you've picked a British recruiter who knows enough about Australian politics to know who you're talking about. But I think as well, in a, very much in a man's world as well, right, isn't it? Especially back, back, say back then, as if it was generations ago. Sometimes Australia can be a, a slightly uh, male-dominated political sphere, even now. To do that in that space is, is huge yeah. as well. And I think I it think it's, yeah. provides inspiration to a lot of females, right, as well. It's that courage to stand on, yeah. you know, and, again, to be yourself and be confident mm. in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wasn't expecting that one. I wasn't expecting that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, um, so obviously now, as you said, six years or so with uh, with Fluent. Yeah. Um, I guess for people who wouldn't know, I mean, tell us a little bit about the business, what, what do you guys do and where do you operate? Yep. Um, so Fluent Commerce, we um, we develop software uh, for retailers in the order management um, space. So um, what that means is, you know, oh, I, I really hope uh, salespeople aren't listening <laughs> to this, but um, just to put it in really uh, layman's term is where the back end of um, functionality mm. like click and collect and ship from store. Um, but it, it is a lot more than that. Mm. Um, it gives uh, retailers a single view of their inventory yeah. um, and inventory availability, which is um, one of the really big problems within yeah. um, retail. So, um, you know, as uh, online shopping has, you know, gone through the roof, particularly through COVID mm-hmm. and people have become more comfortable with um, online shopping, mm-hmm. um, having uh, a view of what is available um, inventory and uh, live inventory feed has become ever more crucial. Mm-hmm. So that's what Fluent Commerce does mm-hmm. in a nutshell, um, is uh, giving retailers the ability to um, provide um, uh convenience solutions mm. and um, is, is that bricks and mortar retailers who are then doing an online presence or can it be completely online retailers as well or? we do pure play as well um but uh it where we really shine is when um there's more complexity so where there's more locations there's mm. more inventory types and so um so that's where you know the thought platform yeah. uh really you know, uh, comes to its form. And, yeah. and are they Australian or yes, global presence? Yep, so yeah. we're headquartered in Australia. Yeah. So um, we've got a, you know, shiny new office yeah. down at the rocks <laughs> now. And, um, yeah, so uh, based in Australia, but we are global. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. And, yeah. and so you've been, uh, obviously, you said six years in your role. I mean, what's that been like in terms of the growth the business has been on? I mean, you touched on obviously COVID's 
blown online shopping up massively, but it was already well on the march before then. But what's that six years been like? What did you go into and, and where are you now, I guess? Yeah. Um, so like I said, like if, you know, six years in a startup is is like a lifetime, you know. Um, when I joined Fluent, uh, we were sub $2 million turnover company, so really tiny. We were part of a, another company Um and uh, today we're over $30 million. Um, so we're not massive, um, but that, you know, taking, you know, a $2 million business up to $30 million business yeah. is quite quite a big change. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, so there's been, uh, we're a VC-backed business, um, so we we don't make a profit and we don't plan to. Mm-hmm. It's part of the plan. Yeah. Um, so our shareholders support us yeah. in um, in delivering this strategy, mm-hmm. right, and that is, you know, get get market share mm-hmm. um, and do it quickly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so through that time, um, in the first sort of few years that I was there, I think the first three years, we were still very much a cash-strapped yeah. um, startup, so which presents a lot of challenges. Um, uh, and we were, you know, I guess lucky enough or we were, you know, brave enough to then close our um, close out our Series B raise mm-hmm. um, in 2019, um, which saw us bring a, a, a really strong lead investor mm-hmm. uh, from the US who have since supported us um, in the last three years. Um, and, you know, in that three years, uh, most of that growth when I talked about, you know, two million to 30, mm-hmm. had most of that growth has happened in, in the last two, yeah. two to three well, years. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it definitely is very interesting. You know, we were in a little office in Surrey Hills. We mm-hmm. had about... 60 or 70 people. Yeah. Um, and when I walked in the door, it was literally just before we completed a demerger with um, our sister company at the time, um, you know, and then it was, you know, hit the ground running, you know, get UK up and running, get the US up and running. Um, we now employ people in, you know, Canada, the US, Netherlands, Ireland, UK, France, you know, India, Singapore. Yeah. So and and it keeps growing, right? right? Um, and now we're um, I think closing in on 160 people. Yeah, wow. Um, so and and again, most of that growth has happened in yeah. the last two years. Got that funding at the right time with uh, 2019, 2020 comes along, great time. Yeah, you know, and it was nervous times really when COVID hit. Um, just like any other business, uh, uh, the reality is um, our client base. Um, was severely affected. Mm, yeah. Um, but the part of their business that grew was the online mm, shopping business, yeah. right? Um, so they, they, you know, it, it was a, you know, I, I guess a lucky break um, for Fluent, uh, but also we we grabbed that opportunity yeah. as well at that time. That's it. I think you've got to be agile enough to do so as well, right? You can't just, it doesn't just happen. You've got to be ready to do it as well and, and willing to do it, which, yeah. is, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. Um, and Going in then was, I mean, it's a really small business at the time. Was was it in terms of systems, processes? <laughs> I mean, you're not laughing. Was there any? What, what, what was it like? Um, Coming from so, the big corporate yeah, as well. Yeah, so it, pretty basic, right? Um, so the reality is, you know, uh, we were on zero and we still are yeah. today. Um, we just have a lot more clever stuff around <laughs> it. Um, but at the time I joined, I was... 
um, not only the only finance person, I was, I think I was the only non-technical and non-commercial person. Yeah. So I was, only, I was the only support person, right? So um, it wasn't just finance I was doing, is pretty much everything mm. outside of technical and sales, yeah. right? Um, and and you know, as I said earlier on, um, being in a in a smaller environment, you know, or being in sort of that that innovative environment really pushes you to, you know, you know, well, get your hands dirty. That employment contract, yeah, <laughs> that employment <laughs> contract ain't gonna, you know, uh, write itself, right? So, um, and it really opens up your world to all of these other different parts of the business. Um, and it wasn't the first time that I was doing it at Fluent. I'd done it in my, as I you know, sort of mentioned earlier on, I um, I had done that work before previously. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't a rude shock. I think the first time I did it, it was yeah. a bit of a rude shock. And, um, and it is. When you come from, you don't realise how supported you mm. are until you come into an environment where there is nothing and you're building things from the ground up. Um, yeah, and it's not for everyone, right? Mm. It's um, some people would rather wait until you know we're at the thirty million, and yeah. yes, we've got some decent things in place now. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's a great learning opportunity, yeah. right? Because uh, like I said, it, it challenges you on a number of different fronts, yeah. and it pushes you to, like you say, you know, no one else is going to yeah. do it, so you've got to get it done. To get yeah. hands dirty, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and and how would you say the demands of venture capital backed versus you know more traditional corporate what what are the what's the difference in demands do you find yeah um you know within a vc backed company you know cash is king mm. right um and you're at the forefront of it right even even now when we we've got you know we're very well supported mm. um really the first thing they want to know is how long is that cash going to yeah. um, last for and i think it, uh, in a big traditional mature business it, it's yes um mm. you, you, you talk about that but it's it's not at the forefront mm. the right? more revenue profit that sort of focus that's right and and within the finance function you're looking at sort of analysis mm. you know all the nice really nice sort of sexy things to do yeah. right um, so, so definitely that's a huge difference. The focus is not about profitability at all. Um, as, as I mentioned earlier on, we, um, we don't make a profit and we plan not to make a profit yeah. and our shareholders support us. Um, it, it, it does. So the strategy really is to grow the top line and to grow as quickly as yeah. possible is to get market share, right? Mm-hmm. So technology is, um, uh, well, if we don't move quickly, someone else with yeah. deep pockets will come along and do that in a quicker way yeah. and take that away straight away. And once right? they've got them on a subscription model or whatever it may be, then you're never going to get that opportunity again. Yeah, it's very easy to get blown out yeah. of the water. So growing that top line and getting market share is really mm-hmm. important for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what our shareholders are looking for, so this is another sort of big difference within sort of a bigger environment and one that's VC-backed is our shareholders are not institutional shareholders. Um, so they're not, you know, super funds. They're yeah. not, you know, CBA. They're not institutional shareholders. And therefore, um, they're not looking for a return in the form of a dividend, yeah. right? So they're not looking for profitability mm-hmm. at all. Um, what they're looking for in the return is in capital growth yeah. of their investment. So it's about growing the value of that share. Yeah. 
and um and it's yeah like i said it's it's invest we invest every dollar back into the business yeah. plus some mm-hmm. to grow the business to develop our product and to win market share yeah. because on exit um so our shareholders are looking for an exit where they make a capital return yeah um the profitability at that point can be looked at yeah um so whether you know there's synergies with um with the um company that buys us um or you know it, again it, there are a number of different uh exit yeah. options yeah. um it could be a bigger you know sort of um vc fund mm-hmm. um or it could be another software company. Yeah, big banks of them, yeah. Great. So depending on what it is, um, basically the profitability um, problem can be solved, yeah. um, but the market share problem can't be solved yeah. as easily, right? So the the um, priority is market share and growing top line. Awesome, yep. awesome. And, I mean, obviously six-year journey, and <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, it's obviously been a, been a good one in terms of the growth and everything that's happened but what would you say some of the standout moments have been on that because i imagine there's well i don't remember my next question but i imagine there's highs and lows right what, what are some of the high points that you see from that oh uh, without a doubt you know closing a raise when mm. you're just about to run out of money <laughs> is a massive high mm. right so being able to um pull that one across the line is is just huge you know um it changes the company completely mm. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, our outlook, our, you know, um, sort of morale and just how motivated people become, yeah. right? Um, because you get through some really tough times before that. Mm. Um, so definitely that. Um, and, you know, just watching us grow every year, you yeah. know, as, as, you know, we moved into a, a lovely new office about um, 18 months ago. Um, and, you know, some of us have been around for a little while sort of pinching ourselves, right, because, you know, we moved from, you know, what was a very ordinary office um, into something that's like, wow, you know, we've got a view of the Harbour Bridge now yeah. and it's, you know, so it's really satisfying to have taken the company through some really difficult times yeah. and to be able to reap the rewards of it. Small Surrey right? Hills office, yeah. the, the nice plush one in, uh, in, in the yeah. rocks, which is, which is absolutely lovely. And, and and I think that's something uh, I hadn't planned this question, but when you're looking at the capital raise process mm-hmm. from a finance perspective, I mean, obviously there's a, a lot of eyes on your section of the business yes. at that point. Yeah. What's that like? What, what what are you having to get together? What's the time frame on these sorts of things? Yeah. Um. So, uh, you know, at, probably at that point in time, there was a lot of scrambling, and you know, <laughs> it was the first time I was doing it. Um. But this time, you know, we're we're lining up for a, um, a Series C raise now, and we can be a lot more sort of considered with, um, you know, uh, what we do with our financials. But certainly, you know, having all of your board reports, yeah. you know, neat and tidy, you've got you've got to have all your forecast models in in place, and you know, again, just all the you know, I's dotted and the T's crossed. Um, um, Board reports, your investor reports as well, and just all your, you know, management reports, right, and making sure that we're producing those every month and making sure that, you know, we're um, keeping them clean, really. Good standardised processes will get you to the point where everything's there just to basically put it back together and say, that's who we are. And did did you know that going in or did you learn that as you were doing, you're like, oh, I need to make sure this is all right. I think really, I guess the, the basic things are always there, yeah. right? Um, but 
certainly within a SaaS business, you um, you know, we had to be uh, reporting on SaaS metrics and things like that. We didn't really have that for Series B, right? But for Series C, we will have that. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm guided by, you know, a, a CFO who's had, you know, a lot of experience in this area. And um, and so, you know, I'll get a lot of guidance mm. from him. But certainly building that is is easy. Again, mm. you know, like we're still on zero. We don't have this, you know, enterprise systems yeah. to support some of the um, data demands, mm-hmm. you know, that we may have. Yeah. But it's anticipating the things that, um, that investors will ask for, also anticipating where they see uh, potentially where the risks are may dig a little bit more, yeah. you know, where, where are the soft bits, right, um, and being prepared with information to support what we're saying and what we're messaging. Is there a lot of back and forth there as well then, where they're like, oh, can we just get a bit more on this or a bit more yeah. there? Or, yeah. yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and the process, I mean, we do a DD um, even when we do, um, uh, you know, debt mm-hmm. as well, yeah. right, and um, because, of course, we can't go to a traditional uh, debt provider, yeah. so we have you know VC debt, right? Um, so uh, you know they will ask. You know the big focus is you know ARR. What does it look like? How are you retaining your uh, clients? What's yeah. your churn look like? You know, um, and again, you know, digging in on you know well how soft is your ARR, yeah. right? Um, because again, like I said, the big focus is growing that top line. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I think, you know, it, it is definitely a journey um, when you're preparing these and getting to the point where you feel comfortable with, you know, handing this over to um, someone who's going to go through it, who, who knows it really well. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll ask the, the tricky questions. You've got to, you've got to expect that if you've got something soft somewhere, then mm. someone's going to ask you yeah. questions on it. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I guess flip side then, I mean, what have been some of the bigger challenges that you've you've found on the journey? What, what have you had to overcome? Um, yeah, so systems uh, is uh, a huge, it can be a huge help, yeah. right? But if you don't have it, it's, it's also a really difficult thing to get around. Yeah to get the information that you want, mm. right? So then a lot of things then become quite manual, yeah. right? Um, so we've only just very recently, um, I, I have an fp manager now and she's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so she's able to manipulate the data for me yeah. really well, right? So take a whole, you know, heap of data mm-hmm. and be able to um, put it within a, you know, um, I'll call it a pivot table, but it's much cleverer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to downplay it. Yeah, so uh, and to be able to do it in a way that's really efficient, more efficient for yeah. us to do, right? Um, so that's definitely a huge challenge mm-hmm. to be able to um, get your data from one end, you know, all the transactional stuff, map it into, um, you know, what will be your SAS p yeah. right, and then spit out a bunch of reports and yeah. analysis on the other side without a really good system behind yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we're, and like I said, you know, we've got we've got a, you know, a few nice things around our mm-hmm. zero now, but yeah. really ideally where we want to get to is, you know, having a nice system where yeah. we, we don't have to, 
deal with an old GL and, yeah. you know, um, legacy accounts and all that kind of stuff and um, be able to have a, a GL that suits us for our business yeah. now um, and then also a system that then, you know, sort of spits out reports, yeah. you know, uh, um, rather than having my team and me, right, um, actually, you know, creating the, the yeah. reports each month. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think, again, to your point as well, getting it right early on is important, isn't yeah. it? Because if you're not doing it early on, Try doing it when you're in the middle of that that big growth, or trying to get a, a fundraise going, or whatever it may be. Yeah, you're just going to fall over trying to do and, it, and it's tough, yeah. right? I mean, um, you know, when you work within a smaller environment, your resources are quite are limited, yeah. right? So you, you you don't have the luxury within a bigger environment where you know um, that person over there will do that bit of the job, yeah. and that person, you know, and and it's all. Um, you know, everyone has a, a, a very defined specialisation yeah. and then passes it on to the next person. Mm. Within a smaller environment, you know, like, um, you know, I'm a jack of all trades, yeah. right? So I'm probably not going to be as good, at, you know, my tax isn't going to be as good as someone else within, you know, the environment. Yeah. But um, I also can do a lot of other things yeah. as well. And, and my team has to do that as well. Mm. They have to have that flexibility to move across different um, disciplines within finance. Yeah, That's a really good point though as well around the, the what is the challenge there is also the opportunity, you could say, yes, because the fact absolutely. that one of the biggest things I get from candidates, and this is at all levels, is the narrowness of certain roles or the silos that they're in, and it yeah. becomes a frustration. Because yeah. I think... You know, a lot of people go, oh, I'd love to try something that's a bit broader and get into trial different things. Um, and you, you know, ultimately, you know, good finance professionals or intelligent people, they yeah. can pick things up. Yeah. It's just getting the opportunity to go into something where you can try a bit of everything and, yeah. and get involved in different parts and, yeah. and learn lots, as you said, become a bit of a jack of all trades rather yeah. than a you know, this is your thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the challenge becomes the opportunity, but you've got to be the yeah. right person for wanting to do that. Yes, that's right. Um, and and it, it is a real challenge um, at first, mm. right? But, um, you know, absolutely um, it is an opportunity as well, and it's an opportunity that I've enjoyed, mm. right, to be able to, um, for me, going from a big environment to a small environment, I really felt like it lifted me out of just, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in this area of the yeah. business. And I didn't understand what was going on further up, right, mm-hmm. because I was just responsible for delivering this big yeah. here. Um, whereas when you become responsible, so even within a smaller environment, when you become responsible for everything, mm-hmm. right, you have to know, yeah. right, um, what is going on or what you need to deliver on in each of those yeah. parts, right. And it's a really it's a really good way of exposing. I found it to be a really good way for me to be exposed to, you know, the, you know, um, sort of strategy mm. side of the business, yes. right? So understand, like, what what are we trying to achieve up here, right? And then down here, I think it makes it easier to roll your sleeves up and go, I because I have a purpose here, yeah, right? But you know, within a bigger environment, it, it, it sometimes that purpose can be lost, mm. right? Because you're just doing. You don't see the rest of the machine. You see your car and yeah. your wheels, so to speak. And then if you're not sure on something, you're learning something new. And what, who do you turn to then? Because obviously, yeah. you're, as you said, you're you're the higher end of the pyramid. <laughs> and what's the methodology there of learning? Um, look, certainly, I I definitely lean a lot on um, my network, um, and you know. 
some of them are within sort of accounting firms mm-hmm. and some of them are within bigger organisations. Yeah. Um, all of them have a different view, right, mm-hmm. and and that's really important as well, yeah. right, to have different views on things um, and to make the decision that's right for you yeah. for that business mm-hmm. at that stage in time, yeah. right, because... Um, you can get a bit carried away if you've come from a really big business into a small business and go, well, we did it that way and that was sort of gold star standard. But it may not, that you know, it, it may not be ready just yet, yep. right? So you've really got to be, um, it, it, you've got to find the right solution at the right time, yep. right? Um, because we all know that, you know, within these big enterprises and these big businesses, yeah, they've got great stuff. They've got great, um, they've got great systems. They've got great procedures and policies and things like that. Not all but, of them. <laughs> like you said, it's definitely not all of them. <laughs> but they also have a lot of resources, yeah, yeah. right? And um, within a smaller environment, you just don't have access to mm. all of those resources, and so you have to be pragmatic with what you implement. Yeah, what what can we make work within our environment? That's right. Until you get to the next stage, yeah. right? So, so it's a step journey, right? So, um, what can we do now to solve our problems? Mm-hmm. And I get it that it may not solve the problem for two years' time, but actually, I can't wait for two years' time to solve this problem because I've got not I'll be delivering nothing between now and then, right? Yeah. So when a VC comes to me and says I need this, it's like, oh <laughs> you know, so so it does have to be the right solution for um the problem now. Yeah. So it's got to be fit for business now. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. And yeah. and I guess if, if if you were looking speaking to someone who was was looking to make a move into that sort of you know high growth small business environment, particularly obviously VC back, what would you what would you say is in short, like what's a bit of advice that you'd give them when, when looking at opportunities in that space? Yeah. Um, you know, if you're coming from a big environment, um, I think really um, get comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm, yeah. right? Um, you're going into a very unstructured environment um, uh, with innovative people, mm. right? So innovative people by definition of trying new things all the time yeah. right so they're very prepared um to test your boundaries mm-hmm. right so um you know finance people are very conservative um you know a lot of them are very conservative um and we like rules yeah. right we like <laughs> rules and we like to follow rules yeah. right that is just not going to be the case yeah. <laughs> so be prepared to be challenged on that front, right? And and coming back to you've got to be pragmatic with your solutions, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and and also appreciate that perhaps some of the things that you were really good at mm-hmm. within a big environment may not matter in a smaller environment. Yeah. So again, be prepared, be get comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? To be challenged every day. Is it um is it a whole different world, would you say, or is it just a different viewpoint on something, you know, if that makes sense. It's a bit of a bad question. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's definitely a different world, right? So I think, you know, it comes back down to accountability mm-hmm. and I think your question earlier on about, you know, what's the big difference between big and small, right? Big businesses have a lot of accountability, mm-hmm. right? Smaller businesses 
generally don't have. Well, they just don't, right? Yeah. Unless unless they work with unless they're um, functioning within sort of financial services yeah. where there are you know very strict rules yeah. in there, they're sort of functioning in an environment where actually there's not a lot of rules, yeah. right? And um, and so yeah, you know, the, you've just got to be. <laughs> it, they're just working in a different mindset, yeah, yeah. right? Um, and you've got to be prepared for ready that. for it, yeah. yeah. And and I, from my point of view, and, and I came from very conservative environments yeah. where, like I said, we really like rules and want to stick yeah. to it. And you know, um, this is what you do for tax, and this is what you do for financial reporting compliance. You know, and I'm an expert at it, so just trust me. Yeah. And it's like, well, that stops me from being creative. Yeah. Right. So how how do I find a solution to allow them? to be creative, mm. what do I do in my space for the compliance that allows them to yeah. be yeah, creative? So you're, you're like the, <laughs> yeah, you're the, it sounds bad saying the police, but you're the one who's at the, the, yeah. just as the last line, not last line of defence, that's again, wrong term, yeah. but you know what I'm trying to say, you know, you're the one who's bringing the the reason and the logic to it almost in the, when yeah. they're, they're trying things and, and, and experimenting. Yeah, and, and that, you know, it, it it's not a, I want to break the rules, mm. it's that, they probably don't know what yeah, the rules are. Go. <laughs> right? They've got other expertise. Absolutely. Right? So yeah. So um, yeah. You know, it, it, it is a different world. Mm. Um, and I said, uh, like I said, it may be that you know, unless you're in a financial services startup, mm. um, and maybe some of other other startups that may be a bit more regulated. Mm. But you know, within you know, like the software that we produce is. Mm. It's purely commercial. It's commercial, right? I mean, the biggest challenge we have at the moment is data privacy. Yeah. You know, so there is the, we do need to manage that risk, but um, really, other than that, and certainly, you know, when you're a two million dollar turnover, it's yeah. you know, it's a free for all. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell how much you're speaking to you, how much you love it as well. Yeah. You really enjoy the. Yeah, I can tell you've enjoyed the journey, and they, you've it just brings out to you that you really enjoyed the time. Now. Um. Yes, it's or a point it, on a good day. <laughs> it, you know, if I look back on it, they've definitely been challenging mm. times. But I think what I appreciate out of it is that it has pushed me into mm. um uh into new spaces, yeah. right? Which, you know, like I said, I was very conservative and you know, a lot of accountants are very conservative mm. and they like certainty, mm. right? Um, but you know, to your point. Certainty doesn't give you opportunities, mm. right? Certainty just gives you, well, you know what you're going to do tomorrow, yeah. right? It's like, bang, I'm going to do that every day, yeah. right? Um, but uncertainty gives you opportunities, yeah. right? And that's the bit that I've really liked about it is that it's given me the opportunity to actually learn more um, and very quickly. Yeah. You have to do it very quickly. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think if you look back as a whole of your career, I mean, if you could... Go back to a younger self and give yourself sort of one piece of advice. I don't know, maybe you want to picture you, you know, getting your CA, coming out of the <laughs> you know, what, what would you say to, to, to yeah. the younger you? What would be the one bit of advice you give? Um, don't be afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, don't be afraid to try things and fail because that's where you learn. Mm. Right. Um, I'm not saying that you should go out and fail. Right? <laughs> um, I think uh, be confident in the foundation yeah. that you've you've had, um, but you know, let 
let people challenge you, mm. right? It, like there's just no point being safe, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, especially as early on, you can make them mistakes as well, right? When, yeah. you, when you're in that position, which is which is really good. Yeah. And, and obviously looking looking forward now for I guess the the world of finance. I mean, what do you think the future looks like for finance professionals? I mean, I've seen a huge change in the 10 years I've been around doing yeah. this, but, but what what, have you, what do you see the future being for finance professionals? Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, the big talk in, in uh, I don't think it's even been recent years, but even longer than that is that, you know, accountants are going to be out of job mm-hmm. because it, we're going to be taken over by technology, right? And technology is a really important part of building um, finance teams mm-hmm. now, right? And um, again, you know, we shouldn't be scared of risks mm-hmm. or, or scared of, you know, like these um, uh, these new technologies taking over mm-hmm. or taking over um, because they're opportunities mm-hmm. for us to actually, like for me, it's all positive, right, yeah. because it moves us out of the, you know, grind, mm. right, and into the value add, yeah. right? So imagine your month in, you didn't have to do a thing yeah. and these reports just spat out mm-hmm. and all you were responsible for was reading these reports, right, and advising the business, yeah. right? Um, so that's, you know, uh, you know, if you're going to make some decisions about uh, what you want to do in your career, you know, the technology part is going to feature hugely. Yeah. So whether you move into, you know, implementing or, you know, um, um, or, you know, writing, mm-hmm. you know, technology around that um, or using that technology yeah. to then be an advisor. I think that, that's a really interesting when you mentioned about the technology taking over one because, yeah. uh, again, I've heard about accounting for yeah. the whole time I've recruited in finance. And I think the, the interesting thing I've found is financial control teams have probably got smaller. Reporting teams have got smaller. You know, we haven't got as many, um, I guess, doers in that respect to, right. get, to get you to month end and get it yep. done. But then all I've seen is reallocation to your point to business partners, analysts, people getting into the data. Now, you know, obviously... Yep. Looking now, everyone wants someone who's got a bit of power BI and Correct. things like that. Where they got, how can you help us visualize it yes. now? And how can yes. we get the message of what's going on with the numbers yep. to the business? Yep. So I don't think fine, if anything seems have grown, they yeah. just shifted the focus completely. Right. It's and more it's had more fun from my side. Exactly. It, you you know, I think um it, it's great news for mm-hmm. finance, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, like I said, I've been around for a while and when it first came out that all oh, accountants are gonna lose their jobs yeah. and be taken over by technology, actually. It's all the really awful bits that I really dislike anyway Mm -hmm. that's been moved out the way. It's been cleared out and actually you get to do all the nice bits really, you know, design the reports. What do you want to say to your board? You know, um, yeah, messaging. Even the way you present it as well. You've got more time to actually focus on not not just put numbers in front of people but let's give yeah. them some more visual story narrative to it so that it's actually a bit more interactive That's as well right. which is which is huge yeah. and on a personal level what, what does the future look like for you yeah that's a good question right um you know i i, I still would love to stay in the space so mm-hmm. even if you know we you know fluent exited and they decided they didn't need a second finance team and they got rid of me um i'd be very happy to go back you know bring my experience yeah. from here and you know go back into another environment and build that team again you know and and scaling it's a really 
it's a really um it's it's exciting yeah. you know um it's it's definitely uh, you know don't get me wrong i don't go home every day and go yeah <laughs> um, nobody does right <laughs> <laughs> um but um you know i'd i'd rather be doing this mm. than um i think a job that you know didn't push me into yeah. new places right so i'd be very happy to you know bring my experience and my learnings into another environment where hopefully I can, you know, um, uh, take another, you know, founder through the yeah. process with less pain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the next time be the, the war scars from the one before I go, you need to do this now because I'm just going to hurt. <laughs> First time. Yeah, I think that's the experience of doing it as well. It, yeah. Again, it, it will give you so much more. You'd know the bumps coming when you're right. You'd be able to navigate them a lot better time so but yeah. that's anything in life. Yeah. And uh, we always finish our, our podcast the same way. Um, what are your three top tips for aspiring professionals going forward? Um, I've probably, you know, we've probably talked about a few things through along the way. Um, so for me, definitely take a few risks, mm. right? You don't need to be conservative all the time. And it's, you know, um, the fear of failure stops you from doing things, mm. right? So don't let the fear of failure stop you from taking a risk um, and don't take failure as a devastation. Yeah. It is a learning point and you can take that learning point to your next yeah. job, yeah. right? It's not the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so definitely, um, you know, uh, take the risks, right? Um, uh, I'd say the other one is also be confident in who you are, right, and be yourself. Um, you know, uh, it, it does mean, you know, be respectful and, you know, be part of a team and, um, you know, build relationships, right, but be confident with who you are and be authentic. Um, I think in this world, um uh, there are more opportunities for different people, right? It's not a, you know, you have to be a certain type of people. And particularly within the startup environment and the ecosystem, you know, it's um, it's very open to, you know, people who don't come from traditional backgrounds yeah. and things like that. So that's the other thing is is um, to be yourself, mm. right? Um and the third one is, I think, have a bit of fun along the way. Yeah. You know, enjoy what you do and, and be passionate about it. Um, know what you're good at yeah. and, um, you know, and, and again, just be confident with it. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That was really interesting. Thank you for having me, Callum. Thanks for listening again, guys. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the podcast. Obviously, this is a bit of a side hustle for Rick and I, and one that we do thoroughly enjoy, where our day-to-day -day job is uh, primarily in the accounting and finance recruitment world. If any of you do find yourself into consider options or potentially just looking at planning your career from where you are now, please feel free to reach out to Rick or myself. In the reverse of that as well, if you are looking for the next best talent for your team, please do feel free to reach out to myself or or Rick in due course. Have a good one.